Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast with our senior pastor, Ben Martinez. Don't forget to check out our website at calvarychapellubbock.church. There you'll find a lot more about our mission to love God, love people, and live radically. Now here's Pastor Ben. The symptoms and the relief. If you are a mom here, you know exactly what labor pain is. Okay, if you've given birth, you know exactly. And I love the fact that the Lord um, just ties this in um, so that we have just a better understanding. Now, guys, we don't get it. Okay, we're like, come on, what's wrong with you? Where's, you know, and uh, then we get beat up. And then the baby comes. And so, um, but we're going to look at that now on what's going on in the world Um, of events. Now, we're in a series called Follow Me, and the Lord's been teaching us that we are to move, listen to me, from where we are to becoming fully devoted followers of God. In other words, he's asking us to become disciples. Disciples, okay? And a disciple is a learner. So we have to have hearts that are ready to receive, to learn, to grow. And that's what we're all about. We're here to grow. Now, James tells us to be doers of the word, not hearers only. You see, it's not enough to come and sit and go, okay, I heard this, I heard the message, amen. And we walk out and we go to Rosa's and we have our tacos and the day goes on. We want to, we want to let the, the text read us. We want to absorb what God is telling us so that we can glorify Him more in our lives. Can I get a good amen? amen. That's what we're doing at Calvary Chapel. If you are visiting, we are so glad you're here. Just know that we teach verse by verse by verse by verse by verse, and we'll go through an entire book. Once we get done with Matthew, I'm already praying right now, Lord, where do you want us to go next? What does the body need? And so we have 66 books to choose from. So uh, no, there's no, uh, there's no uh, uh, limit on what God might want to do in the next book. So uh, give me a good amen if you're on Matthew 24. Okay, and let's pray, and we'll ask God to bless our study this morning. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your great love for us. We thank you that we're here, and uh, Father, that you hear us. I pray today, Lord, this is so deep, so prophetic, so like, like reading the newspaper. Lord, I can't believe it, and yet I can believe it. And so, Lord, I pray today that you would speak to us through your word. We invite you, Holy Spirit, to come and fill this place. Thank you for the beautiful people that are here. I pray that you would add more and more to our family, God. I pray, Lord Jesus, what Pastor Chuck always told us, that this church would be the best-fed, most-loved church, Lord, in all of Lubbock. That, Lord, that people would come here, um, would just feel so loved and so accepted and so just, Lord, I thank you. So, Lord, we love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Well, I heard a story the other day that reminds me a lot of what we're going to talk about this morning. And the story goes something like this. There was an eight-year-old girl who was attending her first ever sleepover. You see, she and Emma were best friends, and so they decided that they would have a good old-fashioned come-and-stay-at-my-house sleepover. Well, the two girls had a wonderful time giggling and eating and playing, and as the hour approached, Emma's mother reminded the girls to get ready for bed. It was just a few minutes after the lights went off when the young girl got up feeling sick. She goes into Emma's mother's room and she says, my tummy hurts. Emma feels for, Emma's mother feels for a fever and no fever. And she says, do you miss your mommy? Asked Emma's mother. Oh dear, you must be feeling homesick. To which the little girl responded, oh no, I'm not homesick. I'm here sick. (laughs) You see, there are a lot of us in this room that are homesick. You see, we've been waiting for a long time for the Lord Jesus to come and take us home. The problem now is, as believers, 
we're no longer homesick, we're actually here sick. As we make our way through Matthew 24, let us be reminded that even though we are homesick and now getting here sick, the things that we're seeing is known as birth pangs. Birth pangs. And we might, I'm afraid to say, see a little bit more. Jesus tells us as he teaches the disciples, guys, what you're going to learn today was just the beginning of these birth pangs. And again, note with me very quickly, look at verse 8. Jesus says, all these things are the beginning of sorrows. Some of your um, translations reads birth pangs. Okay? I'm not sure what a pang was, but then I looked it up and it's a birth pain. And, and moms in here know the pain. I'll never forget when my kids were born, my wife is the most loving, wonderful, amazing, affectionate woman on the earth until that labor pain hit. And then I don't know who she was. I was rubbing her arm, trying to comfort her, and she said, don't touch me. I was like, what? That's labor pains. Now, guys, we don't know anything about that. We're like, come on, but, but that's exactly what he's talking about, right? He's saying all of these things were the beginning of labor. Now, now, let me say this, because she's sitting right here. Once the baby was born, she was loving again, okay? And she's just saying... I don't know what happened there. It scared me. <laughs> it still does. Anyway, so again, Jesus said all these things were the beginning of sorrows. Throughout, listen, church, the prophetic portions here of Scripture, we're taught that the world must endure a series of birth pangs before giving birth. You go, giving birth to what? Well, it's actually going to be a new age and a new kingdom. We see that in Revelation. There's going to be. Now, I want you to take a minute, okay? I want you to think about this for, for just a little bit. Think about everything you know here is going to be so different. When the new kingdom comes, when, when the Lord is reigning in Jerusalem for a thousand years, when the new heaven and the new earth, this is all going to be, I don't know if we're going to remember any of this, but it's going to be glorious. It's going to be glorious. Now, we'll get back to what Jesus said that this are the beginning of sorrows, the beginning of birth pains. This is where it's coming. We're going to see that at the end of our study. But by way of reminder, what we've studied up until now, Jesus, if you recall, in chapter 23, some had some of the harshest and hardest rebuke of the scribes and the Pharisees. Let me quickly remind you, if you haven't been with us, the Pharisees, the religious people of the day, the scribes, the Herodians, and the Sadducees. The problem was, is they were telling people how to live. This is how you should live, okay? The problem was, is they weren't living like that at all. And a lot of you already in your mind, you know what we're talking about. You go, well, they were hypocrites. They're hypocrites. Now, for the sake of our study, and I know some of you have wrote wrote this down, but listen, this is what hypocrites mean. You ready? It's hypocritos, and it means one who puts on a mask. One who puts on a mask and poses himself to be what he is not. You go, well, that's Captain Obvious, Ben. The hypocrite is exactly, well, you say one thing and do another. You say one thing and do another. But the Hebrew... The Hebrew word is rendered hypocrite. It means, here's what it means. It means godless or profane. And the New Testament, it was a little bit even more negative. It was someone who was untrustworthy. Jesus comes to the religious people of his day, and he says, guys, listen, you are putting on a mask. You are godless. You're telling the most godly people, if you will, outwardly, that they're godless, and that they're evil, they're profane, and they're untrustworthy. That's exactly what he said. And if you recall, in chapter 23, we learned eight woes. And jot this down. Whenever you see a woe in Scripture, it always means judgment. Woe, woe. If you study the book of Revelation, you will see a lot of woes. And that is God's 
judgment. And the Lord says to the scribes and the Herodians, all that, he says, Woe to you, scribes, Pharisees, hypocritos. Can you imagine? Can you imagine that scene? As a matter of fact, in Matthew 23, verse 33, the Lord says, Serpents, brood of vipers, how can you escape the condemnation of hell? This is what Jesus says. Now, a lot of us go, oh, wait a minute, no. This is Jesus, meek and mild. He would never say anything about, oh, no, he's so loving. Yes, Jesus is loving, and he's compassionate, and he opens up his arms so wide so that we can enter into the kingdom. But when it comes to being hypocrites, he says, no, 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 no. What you guys are doing, he says, you guys are snakes. You guys are sons of vipers. And he says this to them. How will you escape the judgment of hell? Your attention, please. Not very many pastors are speaking about hell. It's a very real place. If Jesus spoke about us, why aren't we speaking about it? Well, because, listen, listen, if you talk about hell and you talk about judgment and you talk about, you know, repentance and sin, we're not going to come to your church. This is what Jesus said. This is what he said. You go, well, Ben, why would he say that? Well, based on their current actions, the scribes, the teacher of the law, the Pharisees, are on their way to experiencing God's judgment and wrath. And what you need to know is, although Jesus was harsh, he was loving in the fact that he didn't want them to go to hell. You see, hell was not created for us. It was created for the devil and his, and his angels, not for us. Well, God's not going to let anybody go to hell. No, God doesn't send people to hell. We choose. We choose to go. You go, no, I don't choose. I don't choose nothing. You see, your non-choice is already a choice. Because the Lord Jesus opened up his arms and he said, I'm, I'm inviting all of y'all. He said that because he was in Texas. Y'all, y'all, y'all are going to come and, and, and I want to go to heaven. You wanna? And so we have to make that decision. We open up our heart. We say yes to the Lord. And we allow him to change us. We allow him to change us. You go, well, Ben, what's the application for us? Listen, as, as lovingly as I can, if people don't repent and change course, they will follow in the same direction as the Pharisees. Now you say, well... You're a little overdramatic, dude. I have plenty of time. I have my whole life. It was just the other day I was talking to Michael Riley. And Michael Riley was telling me a story that really just prompted what we are talking about. You go, what did he say? He was talking about a young man about 24 or 25 on what they call a crotch rocket. It's a motorcycle that goes fast. And he was telling me, and I could not believe it, he said this 25, 24, 25-year-old young man, okay, Living life on the motorcycle was doing, and this is a true story, by the way, 115 miles an hour. Okay, just minding his own business until the truck didn't see him pulled out right in front of him. You know, he slammed on the brakes and it stopped and it slowed him down three miles. You go, wow. You go, Ben, what was the point? Listen, this young man was killed instantly. Instantly. In other words, he didn't feel any pain. He was killed instantaneously. And in a matter of seconds, listen to me, in a matter of seconds, there he was living life, riding his motorcycle. The truck didn't see him. And in a matter of, listen, seconds, he was ushered into eternity. You see, oftentimes we're lied to when we think, oh, I'll just pray a prayer. But when I, I feel like I'm, oh, Lord, forgive me. I have just a couple of seconds to say, God, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Lord. And, and he's so gracious. There are times that people are ministered to prior to death. He's so gracious. He's so loving. But this young man, and again, this is a true story, in a matter of... He didn't have time to go, Lord, forgive me. 
He didn't say, oh, Lord, come into my heart. I he didn't say any of that. See, you see, here's, here's where I'm getting at, okay? It was Paul writing to the Corinthians that said, for God says, just at the right time, I heard you. On that day of salvation, I helped you. Indeed, the regular time is now. Today is the day of salvation. Amen. See, see, that's the whole point. The point is that we have a choice. When given the gospel, we say yes to him, and we don't harden our hearts. Don't harden your heart. And we say yes to God. We say yes to God. We go, oh, because I don't know what tomorrow's going to bring. You go, well, Ben, I hate to burst your bubble, but I don't have a motorcycle. I'm not going to be riding at 115 miles an hour. I'm not, but see, none of us know. None of us know. In the world we live in, church, we have to be careful. But how much better to go, listen, I'm not going to be worried about who's going to grow in the grocery store. I'm not going to be worried because my salvation is secure. And if the Lord Jesus sees to take me, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go. I'll tell you why. Because I'm not only homesick, I'm here sick. And so again, this is what we, we need to see. Well, in our text, the scene changes, and what's going to happen is Jesus is going to walk. It's so amazing. He's going to walk across the Kidron Valley. The Passover is about to happen. They have inspected the Passover lamb, him, for the last four days. Jesus knows this, and he's about to pray. As we come to Matthew 24, let me quickly remind you, it is both prophetic for today, but it was, and it was prophetic it's prophetic for the future. It was an eye-opener for the Jewish people living in Jesus' day, as well as it should be an eye-opener for us. Now, if you are a note-taker, we need to understand is a true determination of history, or a true determination of where history is moving prophetically is not how world events affect the United States, but how they actually impact the Jewish history. Okay? You go, Ben, what did you just say? As we look prophetically, we can say, well, this is happening in the U.S., but that's not, that's not the timetable. The timetable and what we need to look at is what's happening in Israel. What's happening in Israel. And this is how we have to look at that, okay? Because we must remember that Israel is God's timepiece. God's timepiece. Listen, we must search the scriptures first and then apply certain events, not the other way around. You see, we can't see the events and go, oh, they go here. We look at scripture first. And that's what Jesus wants to speak to us today. Are you ready? Looking at, at verse 1, labor pain explained. Matthew 24, then Jesus went out and departed from the temple. And his disciples came to him to show or came to show him the buildings of the temple. Your attention, please. To you and I, that's like, okay, it's no big deal. He, he was at the temple and he walked across the Kidron Valley and it's not a big deal, but it's so much, much more, okay? I need to give you some background on the temple. This is known as Herod's temple. It is the second temple. You need to know the third is on the way. You go, what do you mean? The third temple is on the way. If you go to Israel today, you can go into the Jewish Temple Institute and they have everything ready to begin sacrificing. All they need is a temple. So they wait. They wait. They're needing a red heifer. Just found out this week that they almost have one. You see, the red heifer cannot be without blemish. So they make sure there's not a white hair on any of it. And then they're ready to go. You all didn't know that. You're looking at me like, I didn't know that. Exactly, exactly. So what does Herod do? Herod sees the temple. He says, man, I need to make it better than this. This, And so, it, I mean, this is just incredible. So what he does, think about this, guys. Herod, you need to know, is a master builder. He is a master builder. He is incredible. And so what he does is he starts to flatten, and this is only one of the only man-made areas. He starts to flatten the Temple Mount. 
and he makes it so big, and he works. And I mean, we're talking thousands of men, tens of thousands of hours, how many years he does this, and he starts to build it. And Herod wanted to build, think about this, okay? Let me give you a little history, okay? Let me just give you a little bit of history. First of all, Israel has now had two temples. They're building their third, and the Antichrist will help them build it. And the Bible says in the last days, the Lord will come back and he'll actually build a fourth temple. Okay? And he'll, as he reigns there for a thousand years. So there's going to be a total of four. Right now, we're only up to two. The first one was destroyed by the Babylonians. Then after that, they went back at 521 and they rebuilt the temple at 521 again, established it when along comes Herod at about 20 BC. So you've had the temple and here he comes. Well, he decides, guys, think that, oh, this is amazing. He decides to build the whole structure and make it a glorious thing. He wanted it so amazing and so elaborate that it would just, it, people would admire it from all over the place. And people would be like, wow! And they would bring glory. I mean, and he wanted to, he, he wanted it for Rome's glory, but he also wanted to be in good with the Jews. So he's going, I'm going to do this, but I'm going to make sure you all happy. And so basically what happened is that he said, okay, so he's doing this and he starts to build it. You go, well, how did he build it? I mean, it's the temple. Unbeknownst to me, I did some study, okay, and Herod, when he built the temple, he put a facing on the walls, guys, and he used a white and green marble, which according to historians had blue lines in it, that when the sun hit it exactly right, it looked like you were looking in the ocean. That's how beautiful it was. So if you're in Jerusalem and you're walking and you happen to look up at the Temple Mount, wow, it looks like you're looking in the deepest of blue oceans. And you just be so enamored. And, and Herod did this. And then he put so much gold, it says that on a sunny day, the gold was so bright that you couldn't stare at it without damaging your eyes. The sun would hit it, and so there's gold everywhere. It looks like the ocean. And not only that, but at some points, the marble would look so white that it actually looked like a snowy mountain. This is the temple. So you mountain lovers, you're like, yeah. Woo, that looks beautiful. You ocean lovers, yeah. that's it. And you gold lovers, well, anyway, the point is, think about it. That's what he's saying. He's going, this is so amazing. And then, of course, he built Solomon ports, port, you know, his porch all around them, the Roman columns. He goes over and he builds Antonio's fortress. This was known as one of the eight wonders of the world at this time. It was beautiful. It was beautiful. Herod dies. They hadn't finished the temple. Guess when they finish it? 64 A.D. 64 A.D. Now, if you're taking notes, just put that somewhere. Temple 64. So at 64 A.D., they finally finished it. It's amazing. It's beautiful. We're not at 64 A.D. right now. Jesus is still alive. Okay, 33, 34, 35 in that area. And so what happens, look at verse 1 again. It's going to make more sense. Then Jesus went out. He departed from the temple and his disciples came to show him the buildings of the temple. Now, something very interesting. Look at verse 1. If you're not afraid to write in your Bible, I want you to circle that word for departed. Departed. And you go, why? What, what's, what, what's the point? In the original text, it gives us a picture of finality. Finality. You go, what does that mean? Well, I want you to think about it, okay? Jesus went out and he departed from the temple. It's almost prophetic. First and foremost, we know that Jesus is going to be crucified and, and he's not going to go back to the temple to teach. So in other words, when it says departed, he's going, okay, I'm not going to be back here. Every time Jesus went to teach at the temple, the, the Pharisees were attacking him, the Sadducees, they're always trying to arrest him, all that stuff. He goes, he departed. But as you look a little bit deeper, I want you to see something. The Bible has always told us that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit, right? These bodies are known as a 
temple. And it's almost like Jesus was saying to Matthew and the guys, I'm about to depart this temple in just a little bit. Unbeknownst to them, the resurrection was going to happen. So that word right there, and you go, well, why would you bring that up? Here's why. Listen. Because often people will tell us, well, I don't believe the Bible. Man wrote the Bible. No, this is God-inspired. When he said, then Jesus went out and he departed from the temple, finality, he's going to go, okay, I'm going to die once and for all. I'm going to die once and for all. So what would happen next? Blow your mind. Look at verse 2. Then Jesus said to them, Do you not see all these things? Assuredly, I say to you, not one stone shall be left upon another that shall not be thrown down. Put yourself in the disciples' sandals at this point. Here's this elaborate, beautiful temple. Gold, looks like mountaintop, ocean. The Lord, sacrifice, Lord, wow. Listen, I don't really dig Herod too much, but he did a great job, Lord. This is cool. This is cool. This is awesome. And the Lord smiles at him and he says, oh, um, yeah, take a good look, fellas, um, because it's going to be all gone. As a matter of fact, one stone is not going to be turned upon another. They're all going to be turned. Can you imagine? The disciples at this point would have been taken back a bit. Whoa, 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 whoa. Jesus, look, look, this is amazing. No, no, not one stone will be left upon another. When did the temple, when did the temple amount get finished? 64 AD. In 70 AD. Rome come, Jesus is already gone, resurrected. In 70 AD, under Titus Aspasian, here comes the Romans. And they declare war on Jerusalem. Well, as any good Israeli would do, they fought Rome. You're not taking, like we would, okay? If somebody came in and tried to invade Lubbock, we would fight. Nobody's coming to my house and go, okay, well, just take it. It's yours. Okay, sorry. We're going to fight. And, 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 and the Jewish people put up a good fight. Only Rome was too strong. You understand that, right? You go, what's the point? Well, because they put up a fight, Rome got mad and said, we're burning down your temple. So they came in, and in 70 AD, they burned down the temple. As their custom, when an army would come in and invade a city and burn down stuff, they just left it. But they saw how much gold it was, and they went, we can't leave this gold here. So what did they do? They began stone by stone, overturning and getting the gold. Jesus told them there's not going to be one stone that's not turned over. The disciples went, are you serious? And they saw. And you go, wow. Can I just say this? Jesus said, and it came to pass. You guys with me? He said he's coming back for us, and it's going to pass. He said he went to prepare a place for us, and he said, and that's going to come to pass. You see, the one thing that we can't do, church, listen to me, is we can't pick and choose what we want out of the Bible and throw the rest away. Ooh, I like the blessings. I'll take the blessings, please. But I I don't want the obedience part. I want to do what I want to do. We do that at a buffet, don't we? We go into a buffet and we go, oh, I don't like Brussels sprouts. Oh, but I'll take some of this. And and, and we can't do this with the Bible. Now, if you like Brussels sprouts, don't, I'm not, I like Brussels sprouts. But you guys know what I'm saying. You don't go to a pizza buffet and have Brussels sprouts. Come on, somebody. And so again, the encouragement to us is that, guess what? What Jesus said 
came to pass and what he has prophesied is going to come to pass. You go, what's my, what's my duty? Is be ready. Be ready. If there's something in, the, in, in your life that you need to repent of, repent of it. If there's something that you need to confess, confess it. But be ready. Be ready. The Bible said he's going to come from the east. All of us should have neck pain based upon looking up all the time waiting for the Lord to come. We're busy looking down, aren't we? We're running into stuff. We're like this. Let's look up. Might be today I look into your eyes. Might be today I get to see you. Might be today. Now, the reason you and I are here sick, the reason you and I are here sick is why? Because we still have family and friends that don't know the Lord. And it's breaking our heart because we know what, what, what's about to go through, what's about to happen. And so not only are we homesick, I'm ready to go home, but we're here sick because, wait a minute, wait a minute, I have, I have a spouse that doesn't know the Lord. I have a mother or a father or an uncle or an aunt or my best friend doesn't know Jesus. And I keep trying to tell him. I keep trying to share with her. And so that's what, and then, and then what happens is you're going to see what Jesus is going to talk about. And so now you're like, it even makes us more here sick. Because you're like, oh, I'm running out of time. I'm running out of time. I got I to gotta share. I got to share. So in verse 3, it goes on and he says, Now he sat on the Mount of Olives, and the disciples came to him privately saying, Tell us. When will these things be? And what will be the sign of your coming and at the end of the age? So technically, there's really two questions. I'll break it down to three. But here's what happens. Jesus crosses over the Kidron Valley. It was a beautiful um, bridge that crossed this valley. And he'd go over to the Mount of Olives. If we get a chance to go back to Israel, we get to go there and see all of this. And it blows your mind. You'll be right where Jesus was on the Mount of Olives. You'll pray here. It's so, oh, it's so amazing. And so they come to Jesus and they say, when will these things be? In other words, when will the Temple Mount be destroyed? He just told them. That's the first question. I would want to know. He says, what will be the sign of your coming? When are you going to, when are we going to find out that you're taking over the world or the end of the age? When will you come back and rule and reign for over a thousand years? These are great questions. Okay. Now, Here's what I want you to see. As Jesus begins to teach, it's prophetic. You go, okay, I got this. But I want to encourage you. And you go, why? Listen to me. Listen. Sometimes when we teach prophecy, most people get excited. Oh, really? Oh, this is, yes, yes, this is so cool. And then they see all the things happening right in front of their eyes, okay? And they know that the Lord is, is, and so they get excited. You go, okay. But let me just encourage you. Some people get fearful and they're afraid. And when you teach prophecy, they start to fidget a little bit and they start to go, oh. Now I'll tell you who is, who, what happens most of the time. Listen to me. It's the young people. The young people, when they hear prophecy, they kind of get discouraged. And you go, why? Because now they start thinking, I'm going to miss out. I want to have a wedding. I want to have babies. I'd like to buy a house. I'd like to do this. I'd like to do that. And I feel like if the Lord comes back, I want the Lord to come back, but I'm going to miss out. Let me just say this. We're only going to be gone for a short time. We're going to have this great marriage supper of the Lamb, but then we're going to come back and we're going to live on this earth for a thousand years. You'll have your time in this earth to be excited, to have fun. The Lord, is, the Lord isn't going, okay, how old are you? Age 17. Oh, well, that's all you get. You're not. He's going to say, no, 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 listen. I'm going to bless you guys. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be amazing. So don't be discouraged. It's okay. Don't be discouraged. So here are some signs of labor. This is the labor pains right before the Lord comes. Are you ready? Jot this down. A good sign is World War I and World War II. You go, What? World War I and World War II was a good sign. Number two, a big sign before the Lord, the stages, are the reestablishment of Israel in 1948. 
and number three, Jewish control of Jerusalem. These are three major signs. All right, so let's unpack this as we see the symptoms and how the labor pains are explained. If you're a mama in here, you understand that prior to contractions, you have something called false labor. The technical term is Braxton Hicks uh, contractions. You go, what's happening? What happens is, is prior to you having real contractions, God in his grace and his mercy decided that you should get a trial run. You should kind of get the body prepared, okay? And so what happens is if you're a a new mom, you start to freak out. I'm in labor. No, it's a Braxton Hicks. You go, oh, after you've had your 10th child, you're like, oh, it's not a big deal. But the first ones, you're like this, something's happening. And, 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 and then it goes away. And then you don't get another one. Well, this is a Braxton Hicks, okay? This is the beginning. Look at verse 4. And Jesus answered and he said, Take heed that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ and will deceive many. One of the major contractions, whether it's Braxton Hicks or getting ready, was that he told us, now a lot of people miss it because they'll focus on the earthquakes, they'll focus on the famines, they'll focus on, but he said, listen, 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 take heed that no one deceives you. Take heed that no one deceives you. Now the main way that people are going to deceive us is how? By coming in and saying, they are the Christ. They are the Christ. So after the resurrection, guys, Jesus goes to the Father. Do you realize that many people came after that claiming to be the Christ in his day? As a matter of fact, if you're taking note, Acts chapter 5, verse 36 says, For some time ago, Thutas rose up claiming to be somebody, and a number of men, about 400, joined him. He was slain, and all who obeyed him were scattered and came to nothing. There were people standing up going, I'm the resurrection, I'm the Christ, I'm the Christ. The historian Josephus said this, the land was overrun with magicians, seducers, imposters who drew people after them in the multitudes into solitudes and deserts to see the signs and miracles which they had promised to show by the power of God. A lot of people in Jesus' day we're trying to deceive. A lot of people in our day, one of them was Jesus, uh, Jose Luis de Jesus Miranda. He was different because he claimed, and he drove many people, he was claiming to be Christ, and yet he claimed to be the Antichrist at the same time. But the one I want to focus on for you guys today is I want you to see, I want you to see that one of the, one of the major symptoms, guys, was don't be deceived. Don't be deceived. A lot of people seem to be falling in exactly where, where the enemy wants them because we swallow everything hook, line, and sinker. Hey, this is what it should be. And we don't test anything against the word of God. Don't be deceived. You realize, who is he talking to? He's talking to the church. He's talking to disciples. Who do you think the enemy wants to deceive? Us. Because what happens? The moment we are deceived, we begin to divide. And you can see in our world, systematically, all of a sudden, how people, they're trying to divide us through deception. Through deception. I don't have to go into detail all of the deceptions that we've learned, but here's what we need to do. You ready, church? We need to stick together. We may have different opinions on things, but we are we should be biblically sound sticking together. This is what again, if we if they start to divide us, how easy it is for us to fall. United and this is this is again, think about it. The Lord Jesus said, "Don't be deceived." Don't be deceived. Don't be deceived. Many are going to come. And even, think about this, how prophetic that's going to be. Because in the future, you and I are gone. 
we're raptured, we're in heaven, and you're going to have an anti-Christ claiming to be the Messiah, claiming to be Jesus, and many are going to flock to him. How's he going to do it? I'm going to go out on a limb. Let me just say this. I don't know if it's true. I'm over here. It's just my opinion. But there might be, again, just, just me, there might be a worldwide pandemic. And it might be a big health thing, and he has the answer and the cure. And so people don't think and realize that they're being deceived, and they run. There might be a financial, um, again, I don't know, just, to, just to going out on a limb here. There might be a financial collapse, and he has the answer. And so what people do is they say, ooh, let's follow him. Again, I'm going to go out on a limb. I, I, but he might say, hey, listen, so I know that we're united. You need to take this mark so, so we can take care of you. And you go, what's the harm in that? He loves us. He's God. Don't be deceived. There's only one Jesus. And 2,000 years ago, he died on the cross. And he resurrected, and he's coming back for us soon. But your eyes have to be open. Your eyes have to be open. They go, what's the second symptom? Well, it's found in verse 6. He says, and when you hear of wars and rumors of wars, see that you're not troubled. Why, Lord? For these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. Lord, guys, throughout the years we've seen wars and rumors of wars. People in this last year came to me Freaked out about the war in Ukraine. Well, there's a war! And I said, yeah. It's been, it's been like that. There's been wars. And there's rumors of even more wars. You hear about, about people um, are, are going to invade Taiwan. You hear, different, you hear even Syria and, and Israel shooting rockets into Syria. And there's, there's wars. There's rumors of wars. We hear that. But may I employ this to you? What if it's not a foreign war that we're used to? But what if the wars we see are internal wars of struggle and civil wars with each other? You see, we go, we hear of wars, but what if, again, think about this. Think about this. What if it's not a war of guns and, and, and bombs and all of this stuff, but it's a war to get us to turn on each other. How? How would we do that? Jesus is going to mention race. He's going to mention kingdom. He doesn't mention political party, but we can see that happening. All of these things. Jesus doesn't mention gender, but is that not an issue? Is that not an issue? It is. And it's designed. Satan has designed this so that we're at war with each other. We're at war. Think about, think about the Supreme Court's overturn of R.V. Wade. Think about what happened there. <laughs> immediately, immediately, People who we thought were strong believers were, whoa, whoa, whoa. I, I, Jesus looks at his disciples and he says, when you hear of wars and rumors of war, see that you're not troubled. For all these things must come to pass. There's going to be wars. And he says, but the end is not yet. Well, help us, Lord. Verse 7, for nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. Okay, do you guys feel the, do you feel the contractions? There'll be famines, pestilence, earthquakes in various places. Now, what you need to know, and this is a key, okay, is that we need to unpack the use of the idiom describing nation against nation. 
okay? The idiom is, was taken in the Jewish context of the day when it was spoken. And it points to, when it says nation against nation, jot this down, to a total conflict of the area of view. You go, what does that mean? It actually means a total world war. When he says, when nation will come against nation, he says, you need to see this. And I'm trying to, he says, I'm trying to let you guys know what's going to happen. He says, it's a, it's an idiom, but it actually means the total conflict of the whole area, the total conflict. Now, remember, remember, guys, our day, what did we see? We saw the big wars combined, World War I, World War II. Some people feel like World War II was just a, con- a continuation, just later. It, it never, was never resolved in World War I and it finished in World War II. And even you here today, come on, church, you hear of a World War III. Why not? You have this guy, you have this guy, and it's all going down. And, and you go, oh, okay, okay. And this is what he said. But here's what I want you to see. Both of World War I and World War II had an impact on Jewish history. And if you recall earlier in the study, guess what? We talked about how it's not about the United States or the world. It's about how it impacts the Jewish history. You go, what happened? World War I provided the beginning and the growth of the Zionist movement. All the people started saying, wow, I want to go back. World War II actually set the stage for the establishment of the state of Israel in 1948. So this is a little bit harder of contractions. You had wars, rumors of wars. But he said, it, it's, it's, it's not the end. So now we have a third symptom. You ready? What's the third symptom? Well, nation will rise against nation, Okay. So again, we see this world war, but I want you to circle the word for nation because in the Greek, it's ethnos, ethnos, and we get our word ethnic. You can translate it out race. So not only is it encompass a Jewish idiom of an entire world war, but it also says that we're going to fight each other based upon our ethnic backgrounds. We're going to start looking down on people because of their race, their creed, their color, this is what we're going to do. And we're going to start going to war because of it. Can you imagine? Nation, ethnos will rise against ethnos. We see it in our day, don't we, church? We see it in our day. God created every one of us equal. Inside runs the very same color of blood in me that's in you. Regardless of your skin color, where you're from, where you were born, your ancestors, we're all the same. We were created in the Imago Dei, in the image of God. And the enemy has come in and said, no, 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 they're different from you. You need to look down on them. They're not. And this is exactly where we are. And you can see it in our news. You can see it in our, I mean, you can see it. Everyone has jumped on the bandwagon. All NBA, MLB, all of these stuff. And and it's like, look, Jesus said this was going to happen. A race will rise up against race. Nation will rise up against nation. Kingdom will rise up against kingdom. But let me just go back a minute, okay? When Jesus spoke this at Caesarea, the Jews and the Syrians contended about the right of the city. And they actually fought a war where 20,000 Jews were slain. So, So again, the Jews and the Syrians. But when you see these things, we have to pray. We have to pray. We see that it's happening. Wow. Wow. Whenever something happens, people pull the race card quickly. Quickly. And now we've got some, we've got some birth pains. We see these signs in the world today indicating that the end is near. Remember, he said, okay, it's coming. 
However, we must admit that many of these signs have always been here. But we see them getting more and more intense. Why? Because we know the coming of the Lord is near. You go, well, Ben, I see the symptoms. Yeah, think about this, guys. Think about this. So there's going to be famines. There were 13 major famines in the Bible. And now you see that happening in our world. If you go to the grocery store, you may not, you may not see it. But I see it. Shelves are being emptied. We got so used to having everything we ever needed at a moment's notice, boom, we could get it. And then all of a sudden, as soon as 2020 hit, we started going, whoa, 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 whoa. And I don't know why toilet paper went first. Some of you still have it, okay? But I don't understand. But that was first. I'd go down the oil and be like, man, what are we going to do? So what did it create in you? You saw empty shelves and you went, ah, I don't need any. No, you go, oh, I need to get some. I need to buy wear some paper towels. You know, that's what happens. It creates in us. Why? Because a famine and empty shelves create in us a need to have that. You guys know what I'm talking about? Yeah, they used to do that in school, right? In school. I remember in school. Arch, your attention, please. Uh, the water fountains are going to be shut off for a minute as they work on that. I was fine until they told me the water fountains are going to be shut. Then I became thirsty. Right? Did you not? You guys are perfectly fine in here. And I said, well, there's no water. You go, mm, I'm just, I'm thirsty now. But go, go to the grocery store now and you can see certain areas. There's a famine. I mean, just recently, the, the baby formula. Hello? In our world. Now, some of it, it doesn't affect us. We don't have babies. We just go, oh, well, bummer, dude. But what about when it starts affecting us with the stuff we do by the pastas and the breads and the eggs? I can see in Revelation it says it says that that only that we we only have ten percent worth of food in our city right now. Okay, so we have two hundred fifty thousand. At a moment's notice, the grocery stores can be wiped out in a second. How many of you know that? It's done, and it's only going to feed twenty five thousand. What is the other two hundred and twenty five thousand going to do? Right. And so you've got to be aware of these things. You go, there's going to be fam- pestilences. You know what that means? Yeah, now we have viruses, and now we have monkeypox, and we have this and that. And he says, it's going, to, it's going to come. It's going to come. He says, you're going to see this. Now, remember, because the idiom that Jesus used, come on, somebody, because the idiom was talking about a worldwide conflict, it also was talking about a worldwide pestilence which means it's not just affecting the united well the united states in 2020 guess what the whole world was boom did that freak some of you out the whole world because a lot of times when we go oh the coronavirus is here you started thinking where could i move to where it's not you know, I'll, I'll go over to Spain or I'll go over, maybe we can move to Israel. And you go, well, I can't move anywhere because it's all over the world. So you have pestilences and uh, you, have that, you have that coming now. And what about earthquakes? Can I just say this? In 1895 to 1900, they recorded, and these were ones that did damage that people died in. Guess how many earthquakes there were? One. Today, there is literally one every hour. You don't hear about it. Mike was saying something earlier just, just today. These are over six point on the Richter scale. You don't think there's a birth pangs in the earth? But, but let's, let's, let's even step aside from this. Let's even step aside from the earthquakes. People would call me crazy. That's fine. But I'm saying if you'll take a look back spiritually and see that the Lord loves us so much, even our current weather around the world is different. 
In some places, it's flooding. Rain, torrential rains, flooding. In other places, 110 degree weather. In other places, there's fire. In other places, I mean, just there's tornadoes. You guys see what's happening. And it's not that the Lord is going, ah, I can't wait, you guys. He's going, would you wake up? Would you just see a little bit? And people go, listen, Ben, we live in Texas. It's always been 110 in July. And you're right. It always has been. But what I want you to see is take a moment and see worldwide what's going on weather-wise. Worldwide. Because the Lord loves us so much. And what Jesus said is he said, okay, okay, this is labor pain. He says, nation, he says, listen, are there famines? You go, yes. Is there going to be enough food? Probably not. Is there pestilences? Yep. You know, seriously, I don't understand how we could have monkeypox. I still have my COVID decorations up. I don't understand. (laughs) Come on. But that's what they're doing. They're coming. And and, and if it's not monkeypox, what is it going to be next? But Jesus told me. He told me. And he said there's going to be earthquakes in various places. Various places. What are they designed to do? Create fear. They're created to divide. They're created to divide. You go, well, Ben, what's the relief? What's the relief, women? What is the relief from contractions after labor pains? When the baby's born, isn't it? Oh, God is so amazing because you guys, you women can go through the most excruciating pain. The labor pains are so hard, but God does something amazing because when that baby's born, and then you look at your husband and say, can we have another one? What happened to that pain? God does something amazing. He, you forget all about it. It's so sweet. That's why some of you have a lot of kids. And that's why some of you only have one, I'm just saying. You're like, never again. Guys, next week, we're going to look deep into the tribulation. And this is where Jesus is. He's about to go to the cross. When a baby is born, when a baby is about to be born, we get to go to the hospital and we prep for the glorious entrance. If we're not careful, we, we, we might miss it. We might miss it. It was with our second baby, our second daughter, that we got to the hospital about 2 in the morning. And uh, Nathalie was in labor and they put her in a room and I said, okay, well, I'm going to go get the stuff from the car. Uh, we parked the car and we took her in. And, and so I'm taking my time. It's two in the morning. <whistles> Go in, get the bag, her overnight bag. And <whistles> when I come back, I see all these nurses rushing to her room and I sit there freezing like this. <laughs> right, what's happening? She was already pushing. I mean, that's how fast it was from the time. I was just down. You go, Ben, what's... Listen, when it comes to our world today, guys, don't go to the car. You might miss it. You might miss it. You go, miss what? It's almost time. Let me just say this. The contractions are less than a minute apart. That's some good news. You go, why? Because I'm a believer, and I know that the world is, I'm, I'm, I'm here sick. How many of you are here sick? Okay, how many of you are here sick? And you're ready for the Lord to come. Okay, not only are you homesick, but you're here sick. And that's the beauty. Because you go, you know what? Soon. Soon. So as we close. Jesus said that we're going to have some birth pangs. And you go, well, what's the purpose? The purpose of the birth pangs, church, is so that we can get right with God. That's the purpose. And nobody's going to say, I didn't know. I, I, I didn't know. A careful study of Scripture reveals that we're almost done with our time on earth as we know it. And I love the fact that it's on to bigger and better things. So here's the question. You ready? 
Where are you with Jesus? Where are you with Jesus? Are you really seeing today's events and those in the past moving us toward the imminent return of Jesus for his church? Do you see that? Do you see that? Do you guys remember do you guys remember the song? I think um I think Toby Mac did it, but it was I wish we'd all been ready. Life was filled with guns and wars and People got trampled on the floor, and he says, I'd wish they'd all been ready. And that's, uh, I remember when I heard that song, I was like, wow. Are you ready? Have you given your life to the Lord today? And you go, Pastor, I have. I'm ready. Then, then you know we're in birth pains. It's almost time for the birth of the Lord. It's almost time for him to come and, and do what he's going to do. It's going to be so amazing. It's going to be so glorious. But the question is, are you ready? Have you given your life to the Lord? Have you surrendered completely and said, yes, Lord? And what I love about God is that he's so gracious that he followed you all the way to church. And he's sitting next to you and he's knocking. He goes, hey, that's you. And you go, huh? Yeah. Yeah, I've been, I've been trying to talk to you for a long time and, and I'm asking I'm asking you to come into into the family. You know what, Lord, you're right. You're right. I'm going to open up my heart. I'm going to invite you inside. See, the problem is at this point in our service, we go, how? I don't know how. I don't know what to do. Well, in a moment, I'm going to give you an opportunity. To do what? Just to lift up your hand and say, yes, Lord, I want want you. I I want you to come. I want to be saved. I want to go to heaven. I want all that he has for me. The problem is, is we've tried all of our lives to do things our way, and and, and we don't get anywhere. Well, let's do it God's way. Let's do it God's way. Allow him to come in. Allow him to guide you. Allow the Holy Spirit to move in you. You go, well, I have to change. You don't have to change. Just, Just invite him in. Let him do the change. That's the best way. That's the best way. You say, Lord, you do the change. And then he does incredible things. But you have to be willing. Our God's a gentleman, and he'll knock on your heart, but he's not going to force himself in your life. We don't know what tomorrow's promise, church. We don't know. All we have is today. Would you open up your heart and invite him inside if you're not right with God today? Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word today. And Lord, verses 1 through 8 is deep, Lord. It's deep. And so, God, we ask you right now, God, that you would move mightily, that you would just, um, your Holy Spirit would just save people, Lord. I don't know who's watching online. I don't know who will listen to this podcast, but I do know that you're still in the saving business. And we have July 31st to continue to to seek you. And I pray that your Holy Spirit would move. Father, my desire would be that nobody here would be left behind. No one would here face the wrath that we're going to talk about next week. And so I, I would bid that you would speak to their hearts, Lord. So with every eye closed and every head bowed, how many of you might say, Pastor Ben, you know what? Listen, you were, you were preaching. You were saying some stuff, and I've got to be honest with you. I don't, I, I, I don't have a relationship with God like you were saying. I don't. I'm not right with God, and I want to be. I want to ask him to forgive me and cleanse me, and, and I want him to do an incredible work. But I don't know what to do, Ben. I don't know what to do. In a second, I'm just going to ask you to lift your hand. Well, why do I have to lift my hand? Because I want God to see your heart. I want him, I want him to see that you're, you're, you're making that commitment to him. And here's what I want to say. You're not joining a church. You're not joining a religion. You're getting right with God. You, have a, you want a relationship with him. So with every eye closed and every head bowed, how many of you would say, Pastor Ben, would you just pray for me? I'm going to lift up my hand because I want, I want God to come into my life. I want my sins forgiven. I want to follow him for the rest of my life. I want to know that if I died today, that I would be with him in heaven by faith. Would you do that right now? Would you just lift up your hand? God bless you, sister. I see you to my left. Anyone else? Just lift up your hand. You want to be right with God. He's knocking on your heart today. He followed you all the way to church, and now he's got a plan for your life. Is there anyone that would say, other than my sister over there, just lift up your hand. Hey, if you're watching online, you can just lift up your hand. I can't see you, but God will, and he'll save you. 
I pray for this wonderful sister that lifted up her hand. I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would forgive her of her sin, cleanse her of all the guilt and shame in our lives bring. That, Lord, today would be a brand new day, that she would open up her heart and invite you inside. I pray that she would be saved today. Because you say by faith, Lord, if we'll confess with our mouth and believe in our heart, we'll be saved. So I pray for sister. In Jesus' name, amen. If you lifted up your hand, would you just pray a prayer between you and God? You might say something like, Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sin. Cleanse me from all unrighteousness and godliness. I surrender my life to you. I believe you died on the cross for me. I believe you resurrected on the third day. And I need help, Lord. I need guidance. I'm asking you to come into my heart and start guiding me. Forgive me. And I'm just praying, be my Lord, be my Savior, be my God, be my friend. I choose this day to follow you forever. I'm yours. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer, welcome to the family of God. We want to welcome you. Even if you didn't raise your hand and you prayed that prayer, we do have a Bible and a Bible study guide for you. We want to get to know you, so please don't run off. Come up and say, hey, I gave my life to the Lord. It's the most amazing thing. Now, the rest of you, we have a great, great week planned. Don't forget, we're back in Psalm 119 on Wednesday night. Make plans to come out to Wednesday night study. Next week, we're going to continue on on verse 9, so you don't want to miss it. We have communion next week. I love you guys. I love you. I love you. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and give you peace. God bless you. Let's go out with rejoicing, guys. We hope you enjoyed today's message. We'd love to hear from you and see you in person at the church. You can find our contact information, location, and even give a donation at calvarychapellubbock.church. We'll see you next time on the podcast. Until then, may God bless you and your family.